Shabbat Shalom. There's a line in the Torah reading for this morning that when I read the Parsha at the beginning of the week thinking, you know, what, what are we going to talk about here today? A line jumped out at me and haven't been able to get it out of my head all week. So I figured we should probably talk about it. it happens at the beginning of the Parsha after the X whatever time that Pharaoh is kicked Moses and Aaron out of his office and said, you know, get out of here. I won't let the people go. Uh, but this time, the Avde Pharaoh, the servants of Pharaoh, turn to Pharaoh and they say to him, what are you doing? How long are you going to let this happen? They say to him, Haterem teidaki avda mitrayim. Haterem teida means something like, don't you know already, ki avde mitzrayim, that Egypt is destroyed. And the line stuck out to me, first, because however many times I've read this, I forgot that there's a moment where Pharaoh's own people turn on him and say, hey, you should probably stop this. And second, because of this last piece, they say to him, to Pharaoh, don't you know that Egypt is lost? And the commentaries here are a little unclear on what exactly this line means. So Rashi sees it as a warning. He says means it's not yet happening, but it will. Right? you got to let this guy Moses and these Israelites go, or else Mitzrayim Avda, or else Egypt will be destroyed. Chizkuni, another commentary, reads it almost as a, uh, he says, it's, read, it's, it's, it's a question, it's done in wonder, almost as if to say, is it possible that you don't know that your actions have caused the destruction of Egypt? And finally, Rashi's grandson, Rashbam, reads it poignantly as Ki Avda Mitzrayim, Egypt is already gone. Why are you still struggling with this guy, Moses? The last plagues have already destroyed everything that we have here. So this moment when the servants of Pharaoh finally speak up, is either poignant in that they offer this final warning before the plagues and Moses and Aaron and God enter into this end game. Or it's poignant because they're saying we've already lost. It's too late. Why are we still fighting at all? And these words rang in my head all week because I feel like we are in this situation in many places in our lives. We look around and we see crisis after crisis after crisis. Issues spanning the gamut, economic, political, environmental, Zionist. Problems abound. And I worry that there is a feeling 
I know this anecdotally in speaking to others, and I, we see this in polls and surveys. There's a feeling that we've already lost. Often conversations with friends, there used to be the COVID pause. You're talking to them, how's things going? And then everyone would pause and say, well, you know, except that everything's terrible. And now I feel like it's the newsfeed pause. Talking to friends, how are things going? Well, this is fine, our kids at school or that or something. And, you know, the world seems terrible. Everything's going wrong everywhere. And in this moment, we don't see this a confidence in the bright future. I spoke about this a little bit over Rosh Hashanah, looking at fiction, especially futuristic science fiction. It's almost entirely dystopic. No one imagines a world where we figured it all out and everything's great and we're just hanging out among the stars. And I worry of what that does. Because in Pharaoh's case, when Pharaoh won't listen to his courtiers, what does Pharaoh do? He hardens his heart. He hardens his heart. He clings to what he thinks there is. And he brings about the destruction that he's worried of. Now, a year, about a year ago, there was an article by uh, Emily Weil, Elizabeth, excuse me, Elizabeth Weil, writing about the wildfires in California, and she talks about this disconnect between the actions of humanity, especially those in areas of power, and the reality of the situation. She says that, that people are governing for a world that we wished we lived in, a place that we might even believe we still inhabit, but that world is gone. Ki avda we've already lost. And the same can be true of so many things that we look out and we wonder if we've already lost. This is what's no, uh, called, excuse me, um, a, a professor at, at Columbia Adam II's calls the polycrisis. Seeing so many crises in the world which compound one another. And the problem with this is if you see one crisis in the world, you can look out and think, well, there's one solution, even if it might be a radical one. But to see so many issues happening all at once, we face, there's a greater tendency to throw up our hands and cry, this is the end of the world. And so again, faced with this chaos, we are offered two solutions. One is the solution of Pharaoh. We can harden our hearts, not let anything in, try to stay as strong as we can, and hope that things will go back to a world that may or may not still exist. Or we can find a way to move forward with open hearts, open-eyed, knowing that the world around us is fundamentally changing and will continue to change as we go out into it. And through this chaos, at the end of our Parsha, God gives us something to lead the people through. And it's actually something that has taken our people through chaos for millennia. The last thing we get at the end of the Parsha, before we continue with the Song of the Sea and the joy of getting out and all of that, there's one thing God sneaks in, the Passover Seder. And this moment of creating this ritual is our people's way of dealing with chaos. 
It is literally meant to be this enclave of community that happens while the wolves are raging at the gate, while the angel of death is traipsing around. We go inside and we do this ritual, and this ritual protects us. How does this ritual protect us? Because the ritual of the Passover Seder, to be sure, but really all the rituals that we have, is meant to help us lead ourselves, live through periods of chaos and crisis. Because when the world is changing, once we agree we can't cling to something that may or may not have existed in the past and just hope that it'll come back somehow, we can't do that. We have to prepare for the future. But we don't want to leave the past behind entirely. So the Passover Seder teaches us how do we take the lessons of the past, lessons hard won through slavery, through tragedy, and through joy and through victory. How do we take those lessons and hold on to them while the world around us changes? Not only do we hold on to them, but the Seder is ultimately focused on what? Children. Children and the future. This is our way of leading through a polycrisis. Whatever it is, whatever the problems in the world are, we hold on to the things that we can, the things that are good, and we allow the rest to change. And we focus on bringing the lessons that we would bring to our children and to the future. And the Seder itself changes in the different lands that we've found ourselves. It changes with different values that we have. It changes a little bit here and there. The lessons mostly stay the same. The lessons that our people have brought out, this way to navigate through a period of crisis is to come together, is to share our story, and to think about how we can help others around us. The Seder itself invites in strangers and change. We add a little to the Seder plate. We have an orange now. The Seder also asks us to think of the past, generations and generations ago. Not only the past of the mythic past that we go back to, but also the past of what my Zadie Seder looked like, what his Bubby's Seder looked like, how our people have observed over the years. And it's perhaps also a comfort in a world that seems full of danger and change to know Pasach is coming. We're going to have a Seder just like we did last year, just like we did the year before, and the year before that. Because the Seder that was observed, at, that we read about this morning, has been observed unbroken for thousands of years. And we can take comfort in that even as the world around us seems to be coming apart. But there will be Pesach, we will have a Seder, we will tell our stories, we will go out into the world anew. We'll invite others in, and then we will leave. So there is chaos in the world. One need only swipe right on your iPhone to see. There is danger, there is violence. All too often our people are the focus of that danger and hatred. But there will be Pesach, there will be Seders. Who better but us to help lead others through this period of tradition and change? Those of us who know, who have built into the DNA of what it means to be rabbinic Jews, to weather moments of chaos and change, to take the good that we can hold on to and to bring it out into the world and help adapt. 
That's what we're here to do. That is the secret to rabbinic Judaism that has kept us for millennia. We know how to hold on to our traditions. We know how to hold on to one another. And we know how to change and move into a new world. Because we can't harden our hearts and pretend like the world is not changing. We can't harden our hearts to the hatred and the violence around us, nor can we let it overwhelm us so that we throw up our hands and say, all is lost, ki yavda mitzrayim. Because it is not. It is not gone, and it will not be gone as long as we can preserve that which makes us special and unique and good. As long as we can preserve our connection to one another, then we can move out into a chaotic world and know that we will make it to the song of the sea at the other side of the chapter. Shabbat Shalom.